Thanks for listening to this Aspen podcast, incorporating the Aspen Refeeding Syndrome consensus recommendations into the home infusion setting. This podcast is supported by a grant from Optum Infusion Pharmacy as a part of Aspen's Malnutrition Awareness Week 2021. My name is Ann Tucker, and I am a clinical pharmacy specialist in critical care and nutrition support at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. I'll be interviewing Shirley Al and Lisa Kinder about their work looking at the risk of refeeding syndrome in home start parental nutrition patients and how the Aspen consensus recommendations compare to the home care company's protocol. This abstract was presented at the Aspen 21 Nutrition Science and Practice Conference. Hello, Shirley and Lisa. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules today. As patients with malnutrition are at high risk of refeeding syndrome, we are all excited to hear more about your study. For those of you who may not be as familiar with what refeeding syndrome is, it is defined by the Aspen Refeeding Syndrome Consensus Recommendations as a measurable reduction in levels of one or more combination of phosphorus, potassium, and or magnesium, or as the manifestation of thiamine deficiency, developing shortly after the initiation of calorie provision to an individual who has been exposed to a substantial period of undernourishment. So we're gonna go ahead and start off by learning a little bit about each of you, as well as the Home Start parental nutrition patient population. Thank you, Anne, for having me and Lisa on this podcast. Um, my name is Shirley Al. I am a registered dietitian and certified nutrition support clinician with 17 years experience in home infusion. So I have basically spent most of my career caring for home nutrition support patients. I am currently the Regional Nutrition Support Dietitian at Optum Infusion Pharmacy, and my focus is on the care of home PN patients. While majority of patients who need parental nutrition start on their therapy in the hospital, there is a subset of patients who are otherwise stable enough to stay home, who are not admitted to the hospital, but their prescriber has identified a need for PN and would refer them to start on PN right in the home. Um, roughly about 20% of the patients we care for are home starts. Having worked so many years in home infusion, caring for these home start patients has kind of become a particular passion of mine because patient safety when starting PN at home is of the utmost importance, especially since it is really quite common for home start patients to have experienced significant weight loss or underweight or have sustained on minimal oral intake for weeks and months sometimes, and they often have a variety of GI symptoms. As you have mentioned earlier, patients with malnutrition are at high risk for refeeding syndrome. And since malnutrition is so prevalent in home starts, we have a significant concern for refeeding syndrome in this patient population. 
And I'm Lisa Kinder. Thank you so much, Anne, for having us today. My clinical background um, is very similar and parallel to Shirley's background. We've been colleagues for the past 17 years, and both of us, as Shirley said, have worked in home infusion for about the past 17 years. I have been a registered dietitian for 20 years and have been certified in nutrition support since 2005. My current role is with Optum Infusion Pharmacy as a clinical program manager. And over the years working in home infusion, as Shirley has detailed, we have seen just, you know, a, quite a few home start PN patients. And there's some common themes among all of them, as Shirley has mentioned. And to expand just a little bit on the home start PN population, some of the common diagnoses and underlying comorbidities that we see in this population would be, for example, oncology. Sometimes that oncology patient has, for example, a tumor that may be causing a small bowel obstruction. Perhaps there's a small bowel fistula where that patient is in need of PN support um, due to an inability to access the small bowel for oral or enteral feeding. Another patient population that we see for home starts would be the bariatric population. Sometimes the bariatric surgery patient may have a post-op complication where they might be discharged home from the hospital, but then continue at home with poor oral intake due to, for example, an anastomotic stricture or a post-op leak or just a lot of post-op nausea, vomiting, very minimal intake where the prescriber really feels that that patient needs PN for a period of time while they are healing. Another candidate for home start PN patient population is just a variety of GI diagnoses. A few examples include perhaps a patient that has a severe exacerbation of Crohn's disease where they may be prescribed bowel rest for a period of time where they need that PN support and could be an appropriate candidate for home start PN. It could also be a patient that has short bowel syndrome that maybe had a recent small bowel resection, was discharged from the hospital without any intravenous support, expected to do well at home nutritionally, but after maybe a few weeks at home is just doing really poorly and malabsorbing, not doing well from a, a nutrition perspective and could be an appropriate candidate for home start PN. And then the last patient population that is fairly common in the home setting would be hyperemesis gravidarum. So this would be that pregnant patient who is just really struggling with nausea and vomiting and has failed different anti-emetic regimens, has likely been in and out of the emergency department many times for IV hydration, might be on IV hydration through the OB office, through the um, outpatient center, maybe a few times a week, but is really needing more daily support at home with more calories as well as that hydration. So we do see this population for Home Start PN as well. Great. Thank you so much for providing that background information. I know it's very helpful for the listeners. So how did the Aspen refeeding syndrome uh, consensus recommendations inspire you to conduct your study? Um, involving the assessment of the risk of refeeding syndrome in your home start PN patients? So prior to the publication of the Aspen consensus recommendations for refeeding syndrome in 2020, 
there was really no refeeding syndrome risk assessment or criteria that are available. As clinicians, we would often rely on our experience, existing literature, such as the Aspen Clinical Guidelines and Safe Practice Guidelines, and basically our clinical judgment to assess refeeding syndrome risk. And we would initiate PN cautiously, basically with an assumption that most, if not all, Homestar PN patients are at risk for refeeding. So when the Aspen consensus for refeeding syndrome came along, Lisa and I were both actually quite excited because we now have objective criteria to assess and categorize refeeding syndrome risk that we never had before. So the consensus criteria for risk assessment included BMI, weight loss history, caloric intake, pre-feeding labs, and high-risk comorbidities. And then patients are then categorized at low or no risk, moderate risk, or significant risk. So we thought we would take a deeper look at our Homestar PN population by basically using this Aspen Refeeding Syndrome Risk Assessment Tool to objectively categorize our patients' refeeding risk. Um, and in turn, we, it would enable us, we thought, to establish safe PN regimen and care plan for our home start patients and specifically. Great. Um, so would you uh, provide us with a brief overview of your study and what you found? Yes, absolutely. So Shirley and I, we reviewed 84 of our Homestart PN patients, and really we wanted to assess for refeeding syndrome risk according to the Aspen consensus criteria. We also wanted to compare company protocol for Homestart PN in respect to refeeding syndrome to Aspen recommendations. So our findings were really, really interesting. Of those 84 Homestart PN patients that we took a look at, we found that actually 94% of them were at a degree of risk of refeeding syndrome. So Shirley and I, we really weren't surprised that a high number of patients were at risk for refeeding, although 94% is really, really high. So back to what Shirley said is we kind of in historically have assumed that most or all patients are at some risk of refeeding. So this just really validated our experience along the way. We found that actually 75% of those patients were actually at significant risk for refeeding syndrome, while 19% were at moderate risk, and then only 6% were at low or no risk. So again, the majority of patients were at risk for refeeding syndrome. In addition to that, 60% uh, of patients had experienced significant weight loss, which is pretty common in the home setting by the time a patient is referred for initiation of PN in the home setting, a lot of them have experienced a significant amount of weight loss. What we found was very interesting though, was that only 8% of patients had a BMI of under 16. So most of our patients were normal weight or categorized BMI, normal weight or even overweight or obese, but they were categorized as significant risk because of the degree of weight loss that they experienced. We also found that 50% of patients experienced minimal oral intake for greater than seven days. Very common in the home setting to see history of poor oral intake for weeks or even months before they are referred for the initiation of PN. 
close to 40% of patients had abnormal pre-feeding labs. And then to sum up most common uh, disease states or comorbidities that we found that were associated with refeeding syndrome risk were cancer, underlying cancer diagnosis, which was 44% of patients. 29% of patients had diagnosis of malabsorption. And then 18% of patients had one of three diagnoses of either post-bariatric surgery, protracted vomiting, or protein malnutrition. Great. I think the results of your study are very important, especially as we uh, go through malnutrition week, because I think it illustrates that not every patient that's at refeeding syndrome risk is your typical, you know, severely underweight patient that we really have to look at how well they've been eating and and what are their weight changes during that time. And that a normal weight, you know, or normal looking patient with a normal weight may still be malnourished. So I think that's really good for your results to to support that. Um, How did the results of your study shape or change your practice? So interestingly enough, the results really, like Lisa had mentioned, really confirmed our long held assumption that majority of HomeStart PN patients Um, were at risk for refeeding, significant risk for refeeding syndrome because of the prevalence of malnutrition. We have always started PN cautiously in the home setting, but the results really validated the need to take precautions against refeeding syndrome, especially when patients are determined to be at significant or moderate um, refeeding risk. We certainly still encounter prescribers or clinicians who may not fully understand the risk of refeeding syndrome, particularly when home starting PN. Some might even think refeeding syndrome is like an urban legend, while it's not. We now have objective tools to really categorize each patient's refeeding syndrome risk, and we can now use that to share with prescribers and help facilitate a clinical discussion about ways or precautions we can take against refeeding in order to safely home start a patient or in certain situations, perhaps hospital start may be warranted and this would prompt us to have that discussion. So have you incorporated your refeeding risk assessment tool to other areas of your practice outside of maybe the home start PN patients? We have, once we incorporated the risk assessment into the HomeStart PN population, we thought it was just the next step to also incorporate the refeeding syndrome risk assessment for all of our new START PN patients. So that expanded to hospital discharge patients that had been initiated on PN therapy in the hospital setting discharging home to continue home PN. And upon start of care, uh, we started to assess particularly, you know, the Aspen criteria for refeeding. And one of the reasons that we decided to incorporate this was because Shirley and I had realized that there is a significant number of patients that, you know, sometimes start on PN in the hospital, but are discharged very quickly within maybe just a few days of that PN initiation in the hospital. And we know from our experience that those patients are not always at their goal formula before discharge home. Sometimes their labs are not looking quite as stable as we would like. And we felt that this patient population could also be at risk for refeeding. So it's standard protocol now to assess assess all patients, whether they're home start or hospital discharge with PN therapy to assess for refeeding syndrome. 
That's really good. I, I like the way the application is, has gone on to just more than your study population. I think you may have answered this already, Shirley, but has this helped you or has your study helped you identify patients who may require a brief inpatient stay or admission before they start PN? Yes, it has. It's really allowed us to assess very carefully, especially those patients who have been determined to be at significant risk. Um, well, just because a patient is at significant risk doesn't automatically mean that they're not safe to start on PN at home. Most often times we can still just take precaution and able to safely start those patients at home and prevent refeeding syndrome in them. But certainly their situations, especially if prefeeding labs are abnormal and a challenge to correct the electrolytes, then it may be safest to start in the hospital. Uh, for example, I recently had a patient who was referred for Homestart PN. She had severe oral intolerance and intractable nausea after bariatric surgery. While her BMI was normal at 25, she had a 16% weight loss. She lost over 30 pounds of weight in the matter of two months. And she really only sustained on ice chips only for over a month. And she was relying on IV hydration twice weekly at the bariatric clinic just to maintain hydration status. So before we started her home service, we requested baseline lab draw on her while her phosphorus and magnesium came back normal. She had a moderate hypokalemia with her serum potassium at 2.8. She was then categorized at significant risk for refeeding syndrome. And following the Aspen consensus recommendations, we initiated home IV hydration for her plus 30 MEQs of potassium chloride replacement daily to correct her electrolytes prior to starting PN. We rechecked labs on her four days later. Unfortunately, patients still had a persistent hypokalemia despite the IV replacement. So at that point, we had another discussion with her physician and it was determined that a hospital admission for her would be the safest way to initiate PN. So she started on PN inpatient, stayed for a few days while her potassium was stabilized prior to discharging home. And then we brought her home and she continued to be on PN with us until today. Nice. That's a great example. Uh, have you changed your home start parental nutrition protocol because of your study? So part of our study was to look at a comparison of the company's Home Start PN protocol um, with refeeding syndrome precautions built into that protocol with the Aspen consensus recommendations for refeeding. And keeping in mind that the Aspen consensus recommendations for the prevention and treatment of refeeding syndrome are centered on the hospitalized patient. So we always have to translate that and adapt the hospital-based recommendations for the home setting. So all along company protocol has followed Aspen guidelines, recommendations, position papers for all areas related to PN therapy adapting to the home care setting. So what we found was that our protocol was just in line, hand in hand with the Aspen um, recommendations, with the exception basically of monitoring. Um, as you can imagine in the home care setting, it's not possible for nursing to monitor that patient you know, 24 hours a day, like monitoring can be done in the hospital setting. 
stat labs can't be drawn in the home setting or multiple lab draws in a 24-hour period are just, you know, not possible in the home setting. And so those types of recommendations, we adapt as best as we can for the home setting as far as monitoring goes and nursing assessments and follow-ups. So just in wrapping up, I have two more questions that I'd like to ask you both. So did the results of your study spur any research questions that you'd like to challenge others uh, to help investigate further? So um, this actually quite interestingly, because we have incorporated the risk assessment as part of our initial assessment of all patients, we also want to look at refeeding syndrome risk for patients that transition home from hospital on PM, like Lisa had mentioned. In fact, we are investigating that right now and working on another abstract as we speak, especially since some patients discharge home very quickly, like Lisa had mentioned, only being on PN for a few days, and some patients are not already advanced to go PN yet, so they can still very much be at risk for refeeding syndrome during that initial period on PN at home, even though they were started inpatient. So we also actually would encourage or perhaps challenge all clinicians in both inpatient and outpatient setting to really incorporate the Aspen consensus recommendations and the use of the refeeding syndrome risk assessment into their practice. Because we believe if patients can be identified and categorized for refeeding risk upon discharging home from the hospital, then on our end as home infusion clinicians, we are, can be better equipped to monitor and make appropriate PN recommendations for these patients. For example, perhaps labs may need to be drawn more frequently, like twice a week versus weekly. Uh, perhaps patient may not be stable for a weekly PN delivery initially um, and need to deliver coincide with their lab draw schedule. And then perhaps their PN script may need to be adjusted upon discharging home as well. I totally agree. I totally agree. Thanks for, for providing that. And then my last question is after conducting your study and reflecting on the consensus recommendations, what areas do you feel may be missing with respect to your uh, population in the home care environment? So because the Aspen refeeding syndrome consensus recommendations are uh, geared and based on the hospitalized patient, we always have to adapt to that as best as we can for the home setting. And so clinically, the guidelines that we follow and the monitoring we follow as closely as we can, but I think Shirley and I would really love if there were specific Aspen refeeding syndrome consensus recommendations that are very specific for the home start PN patient population, particularly in regard to monitoring nurse assessments, lab draws, you know, monitoring, um, having specific recommendations for the home setting, I think would really enable all home infusion clinicians to have an objective tool to not only identify, but really to help prevent refeeding syndrome and ultimately, you know, keep every patient home as best possible to initiate PN when it's safe to do so. Well, um, thank you both for joining us today. We want to thank Optum Infusion Pharmacy for sponsoring this episode and providing us with an overview of their work to ensure safe and effective parental nutrition support practices. And if you want to learn more about refeeding syndrome, please feel free to look at the website, www.nutritioncare.org, and you can find those consensus recommendations under the 
guidelines and clinical resources tab. You can also find them published in the journal Nutrition and Clinical Practice it's in uh, the year 2020, so last year. And lastly, uh, for additional resources about Aspen's Malnutrition Awareness Week this year, please check out the website at www.nutritioncare.org MAW. And as always, a big thank you to our audience for listening to the Aspen podcast. To support what we do, please share, subscribe, and leave a review on our SoundCloud. 